podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Coogan Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by the haymaker himself, Mr. David Hay. How are you? I'm very well. All is all is good. Life's good. Life's busy. Yeah, trying to stay healthy. Yeah, but I'm in a good place. Happily retired as well. Very happily retired. Yeah, I'm watching watching the the, the young guys going at it, and up until this stage, I haven't thought I still got it. I could still get in there. I look at it and think, oh, I want. I could once do that, but no more. Um. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, we saw a story in the last couple of days from David Higgins saying that the fight with Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker is quite likely not happening anymore. He used the term cowardly in his statement. Can you kind of give us an update on what's going on from your side regarding this fight and is it likely to happen on April the 20th? Um, from my side, uh, Derek is in preparation for a fight on April 20th. Uh, we've got no contract signed or there's no 100% opponent. We was hoping um, Parker would be that guy. Um, apparently, he's, he's, agreed to, he's agreed with Eddie uh, terms for a fight and we was hoping he'd be the guy to jump in. But yeah, reading the, uh, the comments, it doesn't seem like it. Can you elaborate any more on what the problem is with this fight? And what? I, 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 can only, I can only assume it's down to um, notice. He's got things like eight, eight, eight and a half weeks preparation time, which is, you know, Derek's just gone into camp this week. So they've got the same uh, amount of preparation time. Apparently it's not about the money. It's not about location. It's about preparation time. He wanted 10 weeks, so a week and a half. He's a week and a half out with the amount of time he needs. That's the only thing I can uh, come up with why the fight isn't happening. It seems, a bit, it seems like a bit of a trivial, trivial reason not to have a big, massive fight in the UK that could really propel himself back into, for both fighters to propel themselves back into, you know, world class and world uh, title contention. You know, both uh, Derek and um, Parker gave great accounts of themselves the last time they fought on Sky Box Office. And, you know, we, all, we were all hoping they'd both want to battle it out again, again to, to find out who moves forward and who doesn't. But, you know, but I've heard, you know, contrasting things about if their side want to do it or not, but only time and time. We should know in a, in a week or so. But either way, we're looking at um, Derek fighting uh, on, on, in April. So fingers crossed we get a good opponent who's willing to turn up and go toe to toe because everybody knows Derek is he proved that in his last fight against Dylan White he gave you know left it all out there in the ring and uh, every single person at the O2 Arena and everyone who tuned in on Skybox office got more than their money's worth Am I right in saying that Higgins has suggested that you're delaying the fight not to give Parker's side a full camp isn't that the quotes from him? That's, that's what I read but no, that's not the case you know he's he's been aware of the potential fight on this date for a while just like I have you know I've uh, I and Derek haven't signed any contract you know we've got a date in mind and when you have a date in mind you start training I learned that early on early on in my career that you know if you believe there's a date that is workable for you if you if the money's there you start training for that date you know I've in some of my biggest fights haven't signed the actual contract till the week of the fight you know so you can't wait to the contract sign before starting to train and get into shape. This is something I learned early, early doors. And um, I believe possibly 
this was the same case when he fought Dylan White. You know, there was a, um, it was down to the reason why he didn't perform as well as he thought he could have done is because he only had seven weeks or something like that. Um, but he was aware that the fight was going to happen. It was just, fights take a while to sometimes get signed and it's not down to people purposely stopping it. It's just lawyers going back and forth with terms and there's so many different moving parts to the television network, the venue, the press conference, other shows happening, getting everybody all together in the same place at the same time. So I implore any fighters out there, if there's a, if there's a venue booked, if there's a television network, if there's a, the purse agreed, start training for the fight. Don't wait for the contract before you start training. It's just, you know, it's, it's the boxing business. Now, when you and uh, Mr. Chisora linked up, obviously it raised a few eyebrows. People were a little bit shocked. Now, a couple of years ago, you were uh, sat across a press conference table with Mr. Dave Caldwell calling him Penfold. Now, he's kind of part of the team. He's training Derek Chisora. Again, that comes as a little bit of a shock. Can you talk to me a little bit about why that decision to link David and Derek came about? And, yeah, how do you kind of see that relationship going? Um... First and foremost, I gave um, Dave some stick in the lead up to the first fight, um, probably because the only two people I wouldn't want in my opponent's corner is Adam Booth and Dave Coldwell, as they probably both know me better than anybody else. They've been there through the highs and lows over the years, going back from before I even won my cruiserweight titles. So knowing Bellew had you know, a, a haymaker insider, he used, he used to be head of uh, box of a haymaker I know he knows me inside and out so he, he's probably one of the best one of the two people in the world who could formulate the best possible plan to beat me and I was right so I was just hoping give him some stick first off it helps promote the fight and hopefully it gets under his skin and he might overdo it with, with Tony in some way shape or form but you know as I am um, things worked out the wrong way for me in that, in that. you should have kept him I know, yeah, yeah, looking back, you know, hindsight's a hell of a thing. And um, obviously he, he got um, Bellew in fantastic, um, not only not fantastic shape, but tactically he, he did the right things in both fights and came off a clear victor. And um, someone who can formulate a game plan to beat myself is somebody who obviously you have to respect and you have to understand... You know, Derek Chisora has had the same coach for many, many years. Sometimes a fighter needs a change. They need to, to sort of freshen things up a bit, freshen, freshen things up a bit, having a, a different outlook, you know, doing different movements, different training routines, you know, different drills. And that's what he's been doing in, a, you know, he's, he went down there um, a week and a half ago just to get a feel, get a feel for him to see if they, they could click. They did. You know, he came back to London and this week he's gone down there and he's really started to do some good quality sessions and you know the word and I was watching a video just then of some of the work they've been doing and he's looking good he's enjoying it he's uh, he's laughing he's training hard he's sweating he's doing all the things that uh, a fighter and a coach working together for the first time need and they're just forming that bond that hopefully go on to much bigger and better things you know uh, Dave Colwell's did a, did a tremendous job you know with uh, Tony Bellew I definitely feel he maximised his his physical attributes you know and he, he he was always formulated even the fight his, his final fight where he lost against Usyk up until the stoppage he was winning on points you know he formulated a, a, a game plan for Tony Bellew to outbox one of the pound for pound best boxers in the world 
you know, and although that's probably down to Tony Bellew's skill set, it also it's also down to a coach to assist in formulating that, you know. And I definitely feel to, um, uh, Dave Caldwell is is the man to really take uh, Derek Chisora to that next level. He's gone as far as he's gone, which he's got to world level. You know, he was uh, in the ring and winning a fight with Dylan White, who's ranked number one by most of the governing bodies. And, you know, he, he nearly did it. So he's not that far off. All it takes is to add another 5, 10, 15%. And those decisions, you know, those, those losses will turn into wins. Was there an element of wanting to take Derek away from his surroundings and kind of put him up there in, in Rotherham away from what he's kind of comfortable with around here? Not necessarily. For the last, the last training camp, he really put the work in. He was, he was focused. He was dedicated. And, uh, you know, he was, he was eating the right foods. He was sleeping at the right times. He wasn't cheating. And I think that showed in his, in his physical um, prowess throughout the whole fight. You know, his engine was there. You know, his punch power was there. You know, he was, he was pressing the fight. He wasn't looking at holding and clinching and killing the clock. And um, I definitely feel that this is, um, this, is the next, this is the next phase for him. It really is. And um, going up to Sheffield was just a pure coincidence. If Dave Colbert was in Liverpool, he'd be in Liverpool. If he was in North London, he'll go to North London. Dave Colbert just happens to be uh, work up north. So I actually think it's not the worst thing to get away from everything. Not that it was distracting him anyway, but it's just one less thing to worry about is, you know, he, he goes to the gym, he goes to the hotel, back and forth, and that's it. And um, he, he said he's happy with the setup. He's happy, uh, you know, he, he pops back to see his family and, you know, he's in a good place. And, you know, if he's in a good place, if a fighter's happy, a fighter performs at his very best. I'm assuming at some point you've had a conversation with Don Charles, obviously, about what's happened and how has he kind of taken that kind of news that Derek will be being trained by Dave Corwell now? No, he was okay. You know, he'd worked, he'd, he'd taken Derek um, to, to great heights. You know, I think Derek was his, his biggest fighter to date. You know, he's won, he's won every title outside a world title. And um, he, not only has, has Derek improved throughout their, their journey together, so Don, they've both, both grown as, grown as um, coach and, and fighter. And, uh, you know, he, he understood. He's got no, there's no malice. And uh, he just he just hopes every hopes the best for Derek. He hopes Derek can go that one step further and you know claim a world title. It's a tough challenge. You know he's 35 years of age, and you know the, some of the, the the champions are all young. They're all much bigger than him. They're very very strong and powerful. So he's going to have to do something very very special to win a world title or a version of a world title. And um, he's doing everything he can do. You know he's he, he's got a coach who's shown in the past that he can take someone to the, 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 the very best um, they can be in Tony Bellew and I, I believe um, Dave Carr was the guy to get that, that extra few percent out of um, Derek Chisora. If the Joseph Parker fight isn't to materialise for April 20th, can you give us any kind of inkling to kind of who is possibly your plan B and C to, to that date? I don't want to give you any 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 potentials, but um, it'll be an exciting fight. You know, Derek's willing to fight anybody. He's he's proven that time and time again. You know, he jumped in there with Carlos Takam. You know, he, he's he's jumped in there with Dylan White a couple of times. He's he's ready to go. And now that he's he, physically, he's in the right place. In the past, he's jumped in fights and not been what I'd consider twelve round fit. He couldn't fight for twelve rounds nonstop. Now he knows he can. It just adds that additional bit of confidence to his game. Now he's working on his technical side to, to fine tune his, his technique and his punch output. 
I just think it's, you know, I've, he, he wants to fight anybody. He just wants the biggest and best fights that's going to catapult him into, into contention for fighting for a world title. This news obviously came out about two, three weeks ago now, but um, George Groves retired from the sport after a fantastic career, obviously ending his career, having won a world title after three uh, failed attempts beforehand. Uh, someone that you used to obviously be involved with from a team perspective, but also you know very well. What did you make of that news? Um, it was nice to see him go out on his own terms. It was nice to see him fulfill his his potential you know he won legitimate world titles and you know filled out arenas and became a millionaire and he's now got his his health and a beautiful family to go off sail off into the sunset with and you know in boxing it's not that often you hear a success story like that and that was always that was always the plan for myself was the plan for for him and you know he's done it the right way you know he's you know he's learned lessons throughout the throughout the journey he's had you know, I was, I was, I'm proud to be part of that little journey when he when he started off. I remember seeing him as, seeing him as an amateur, and thinking this 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 kid's got it. You know, and we started Haymaker Promotions. You know, he was the the flagship young kid coming through, and you know he went on. He went he went the whole way, and um, you know that's what you know boxing is about. It's about seeing talent in, and knowing they had that X factor, that something special. And you know, as you said, he had three failed attempts. One of them was pretty. Two of them are pretty controversial. You know, the first uh, Froch fight and the Badu Jack fight. You know, there's you know getting a losing a losing by one point. I think in Vegas on a Mayweather show let, lets you know how well he, he he put forward there. But I definitely feel him linking up with Shane McGuigan was the the cherry on the cake for him to just go that little bit further. And sometimes uh, sometimes a nice change in trainer or training camp or venues so where you prepare just you only need you know five or five five six percent difference to just get that get that little difference and and win that world title so when he won that that was it was a it was a beautiful thing to see you know no one deserved it more than him i've seen so many so so many hard sessions by him over the years behind closed doors that no one's ever seen hard sparring so i remember him sparring watching footage of him sparring uh jacob fragameni you know one of my toughest opponents as a cruiserweight and he was really putting it on him you know I've watched him spar Dylan White he sparred me untold rounds he's he he was one of those guys who he didn't have what he at one point he didn't have a world title but I knew he was way beyond world class he's he, he should have been world champion before then but he, he figured things out and he finally got it right and he, he is he, he'll always be in the record books as you know um a super middleweight world champion as well and truly deserved I um, just wanted your take really on this ever-thriving heavyweight scene that which you uh, left not that long ago, but you're out of now. Um, what do you make of Joshua taking on Gerald Miller? Obviously, Fury Wilder is up in the air whether that's going to happen in their next fights. Um, it's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. It's just, it, it's bit, it seems a bit frustrating for the, the fight fans you know, it's not as uh, cut and dry as uh, people want. People just want the best to fight the best. And at one stage, it looked like that was going to happen. It looked like we was going to get Fury and Wilder in there again. But, um, but for one reason or another, that doesn't look like it's going to materialize anytime soon. Um, I like the Miller fight. Um, a lot of people, it's, I think it's getting a little bit of unnecessary stick. You know, Miller is undefeated. He's probably one of the biggest ever fighters to... Uh, challenge for the heavyweight title. You know, was he 23 stone or something? He's a big old, big old unit, big knockout r ratio. So I think it's a, it's a good, 
good marking time fight for for Joshua. You know, he's had all these mega fights. His, I think his last one with um, Povetkin was a good fight. You know, took a couple of licks in that one. He had a little bloody bloodied up nose, but he had to come back. He had to dig in. And I think he, he may have the same this time around. This fight reminds me a little of when um, a young Shannon Briggs went toe-to-toe with uh, Lennox Lewis. And, um, you know, he, you know, Shannon Briggs was a big knockout specialist and he jumps in there and really put it on Lennox. And Lennox, once again, you know, took, got, well, not wobbled, he got knocked around the ring a little bit and it was, it was a real live fight. And although, you know, Lennox you know, knocked him out, it was still a good fight and no one, no one afterwards complained about that fight. Although Shannon Briggs up until that point, I think he'd only beaten George Foreman was probably the biggest name he'd beaten up until that point. An old George Foreman. So um, I, think it's, I think it's a good, um, I think it's a good fight. Um, I know this Miller's full of confidence and uh, he's going to want to, re- this is his opportunity to become the heavyweight, the number one heavyweight on the planet of all the belts or without the WBC obviously and um, he's going to have a lot of Americans backing him and I think it's, you know, the fact that um, AJ's gone over there to, to America, to New York to, to do it, I think it's a, it's a nice touch. I'm assuming you were horrified by people's mums being spoken about in press conferences. I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, why it's against banter. I think um, Miller's trying to get under, get under AJ's skin, gave him a little shove and giving him some bit of banter. Hopefully, uh, AJ realises exactly what it is. It's just someone trying to rile him up as I think the only time uh, AJ's looked a, a little vulnerable was when he, looked as though he was trying to knock out Dylan White because of that because of the the beef between the two of them and he he went out there with a uncharacteristic aggression instead of coming out there looking at jabbing and looking for the right shots he came out there really trying to put a number on him and in that process he walked onto a big counter left hook got a little wobbled and you know lost that round and he kind of you know that was the first time he really got shook to his boots so hopefully he learned the lesson from there not to let your um your heart rule your head and um it's going to be it's going to be a going to be a fun fight it's going to be a fun fight when uh, this big baby miller steams into him because he talks he's talking a great fight he really is he's he's saying all the right things and all the things you'd want a, a title contender to to say um but i know everybody wants either wilder and fury in in the opposing corner but boxing doesn't work like that do you talk to Lennox Lewis like on a on a personal level regularly yeah what well, i mean there's been a lot about stuff he said about Anthony Joshua, Eddie Hearns said a lot about has a lot to say about Lennox Lewis and that. But what what are his actual thoughts about Anthony Joshua? Does he talk to you about that, or have you spoken to him about that? I haven't. I talked. I talked to him. I was in Jamaica over Christmas, and no, we didn't didn't talk about AJ. But what's what's he been saying? What's the? It's been a few back and forths. If you don't haven't seen it, then it's just been a few back and forths and comments that Lennox made about AJ that AJ wasn't happy with and. Eddie Hearn's kind of piped up as well as Eddie Hearn would do, obviously being the promoter. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a lot to do about nothing. But it's just—I just wondered if he'd ever spoken to you about it. Boxing banter is yeah—I haven't seen any of that. Um, Tyson Fury just signed a a deal, a co-promotional deal with ESPN, reported to be worth in excess of eighty million dollars, allegedly. Yeah. I'll say that because you don't know taxmen might be watching this and I might have got figures wrong so but David does this in your opinion Tyson kind of going with ESPN now we have um, Wilder not coming out and saying the other day that he's 
a free agent and he's not kind of committed to, to anyone. Though. Wilder. Is he hard enough? I thought he was tied in with Showtime for some reason. So Wilder come out after the Tyson Fury ESPN news and he come out and said in an interview that um, he's free to fight on whatever network basically and that he's not tied into uh, Showtime. So That's good news. That's good news. You know, as long as those two can fight again. I thought it was a real good fight, their first fight and it was real nice to see two you know, undefeated, you know, champions, you know, go toe-to-toe and put it on the line. And they did it once, and I think they could do it again. I thought possibly with ESPN and Showtime being sort of rival networks, they wouldn't be able to get it together. But if if Wilder is a free agent and there is 80 million in the pot, then I think, because I think, I'm not sure what, it, I think, what was uh, Tyson Fury's purse for the last one? A couple of million dollars. Something like that. I saw a couple of two mil and... Uh, I think it was more than that, to be honest. I don't know. The Claire purse, I saw it somewhere. I think it was two for him and three for... You can look, you can check it up. And um, if if that is if that was the purse, then if they're talking about 80 million, then both fighters you know, are going to do very well. They do very, very well. So, uh, But the fact that the top three heavyweights now in the country are with different broadcasters in the US... Well... Okay, but Wilder is aligned with Showtime. He's not. He's come out and said he's he could do, but Joshua is obviously on a fight by fight with the Zone currently. They'll obviously be looking to tie him in. And now Tyson's signed the deal with ESPN. So, in your opinion, if we take that Wilder kind of is with Showtime, for for example, for the purpose of this question, is this making things more difficult to kind of make these fights happen, especially involving Joshua? Mm. Possibly, possibly for for the broadcasters. But I remember Lennox Lewis and um, Mike Tyson were on Rival Networks. So I was on Showtime. I was on HBO, and I believe what they did is they just screened the fight on both networks at the same time concurrently. And you can either tune in for the HBO um, commentary or the Showtime. You just paid one or the other, and that was that. And I think. Uh, it may have to come down to something like that. And the fans were happy. I, we all got to see the fight. You know, we didn't care what network got paid what from the split. That's not our We just want to see the best fight and the best. And um, I think maybe it's going to have to come to us. It's going to have to be some collaborations of these big, massive networks, which is real. It's hard enough one network putting on a show. Um, you know what goes on behind the scenes. But to have two networks, rival networks, competing for who's going to get interviews first and second and the promo rights, who's going to um, promote what network on what time it's, it could be a, it could be a real real headache but it may come down to something as, as dramatic as to both both uh, two networks uh, collaborating to make the fight that the fans want to see that doesn't sound encouraging to be fair because <laughs> it does no it doesn't because it seems I know it happens and it, it's happened in the past exactly, but I mean it happened with Mayweather that, that was that was the about Mayweather Pacquiao and uh, Tyson and Lennox sorry Tyson and Lennox Lewis that was a that was a big fight they were both long standing brands in their own right they weren't new guys on the scene they were Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson in their prime so if they, they those guys were big enough to to make it happen, you know, Tyson Fury and Joshua, I think you know, they can do it. They can do it. Like I said, when we're kind of pinning our hopes on broadcasters coming together to make this happen, it just it, it doesn't sound too encouraging no, if we're relying on that f- to make it happen. If they were at the same network, obviously, I mean, look at look at the Brook and Khan situation. They wound up both with Matchroom. 
uh, both fighting on Sky. Yeah, and, and that fight hasn't happened, so it's not necessary that that's the case even if they are on the same network. As long as both fighters want it and both fighters' teams do what the fighters require and ask for, the fight happens. If one of the fighters doesn't want the fight, the fight doesn't happen, they'll find a way for it to fall through. If both fighters want it, but one set of team or both teams don't want it because they want to keep keep the gravy train flowing for, for a few more a few more fights, then... What are, you, are you saying that, from what you can see what's going on at the moment, can you see one of... Not the fighters, because you know as well as anyone... The fight, fight. Yeah, but can you see one of the teams possibly not wanting to pitch their fire against one of the others at the moment? All you've got to do is watch that last fight. Watch the fight between... Watch it again. And if you're part of that team, whether it's Team Wilder or Team, team Fury and you've got an opportunity to have three or four fights against lower opposition and earn four million a fight or have a rematch with Wilder and earn seven million for a fight. You know, they're thinking, okay, I might, I'm getting this much percentage. You know, I could kind of, I've got that for five fights, guaranteed. Or it's a toss of a coin. We got a draw last time. It was right down the middle. You know, Fury got knocked down heavily. You know, what happened, what happened if we had like an English referee who after seeing someone motionless for six seconds of sleep just waves a fight off we'd have a whole different scenario so i can understand i don't agree with it but i can understand why teams who make their career make their livings from the fighter want their fighter to continue producing the pound notes and or dollar bills so um i get it i understand it. it's the boxing business i just hope both fighters have a team who listens to them you know, there's never been a case where I've wanted the fight and the team around me have said, no, it's not happening or tried to get out of it. And if I want to fight, make the fight happen. You know, no matter how much politics are involved, if I wanted to get in the ring, this is the fight I want, let's make it happen. You've got to make contingencies from time to time. You might have to go to the ring second. You might get X amount of less of the worldwide TV. Whatever it is, you make the fight happen if you believe you can win. But that's not always the case. The fighters... The fighters are one thing, it's just the whole team and a lot of these fighters have agents, they have managers, they have co promoters two promoters, they may have they may have, you know, the coach might say, Oh, we don't want this fight because it doesn't work as well. So you could have five or six different organizations with a vested uh um interest in the fight not happening. Not not particularly with that fighter, but with a, a smaller, easier fighter to to beat is what they'll go after. So this is unfortunately the boxing business that um, uh, that we're in, and uh, hopefully the boxing gods are smiling down, and they'll they'll give us another fury and, and wilder battle. Because the first one was great; I loved it every second of it. D- David, next? No, not next month. April, should we say? Uh, Amir Khan travels out to. Uh, New York to take on pound for pound well one of the best if not the best in Terence Crawford uh, didn't take the Kelbrook fight in the end um, but you can't really knock Amir he's, he's going out there to America as he's always done throughout his career to fight the best fight the very best and people you know I've heard people say oh he's ducking this guy ducking that guy it's like come on he's gone to fight the very best in the world it's, it makes it makes no sense I remember when I um, went out to fight uh, Jean-Marc Mormec in uh, in Paris in 2007. Everyone said I was going to fight him. Although he had WBC, WBA and and Ring Magazine titles, they said I was ducking Enzo Macronelli at the time. They said, what are you going over there? We've got a fight in England. 
I was like, well, you know, I want to be number one in the world. He's not considered number one. You know, he has a WBO title, but I want to fight the guy who's number one. Because when I'm number one, I then have the marbles. I then can control the situation, or I then become an opponent to a champion, and then have to sign a long-term contract to get an opportunity. So I, I rightfully went went abroad to foreign soil because I believed in myself. You know, I probably could have got more money fighting. Uh, in the UK fighting Enzo first first off but I would have been locked in and I don't like I've never like been sort of locked into a contract so I went and did it and maybe Amir Khan feels the same maybe he feels he can become the best in the world and fight the fight a killer fight you know someone who's considered by many as you know pound for pound minimum top three hasn't put a foot wrong looks very very special very special silky classy skills but do not um Right, Amir off. He's got crazy hand speed. He's one of the most awkward fighters, you know, and the only guys to, you know, beat him are big hitters, you know, guys with big, big power punching styles. And, you know, Crawford's very slick, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's super, super, super slick. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Amir's power match, sorry, his, how his speed matches up with Crawford's it's going to be I don't, I don't know how I generally I can't play it out in my mind I just don't know because the punch, both from punch so fast I just don't know what's going to happen there might be some sort of glitch in the matrix when the first bell rings or you have to watch it in slow motion to see the punches landing because Amir throws like six or seven punch combinations in the blink of an eye so it's hard to get around that I remember and I've seen some footage of him sparring with Manny Pacquiao and Manny Pacquiao couldn't deal with his speed they never actually got a chance to fight each other, but I oh know it's only inspiring. But you know, his everyone who who's seen the I think Ru and Ruben uh, used to do um, Amir's strength and conditioning. Uh, Ruben Tabares, he was saying that you know his speed's insane, and you know people just can't get to grips with him. So let's hope that's the case in, in April. You've had some visitors from out of town uh, at your gym. Tell us more about this yes yeah, sport 100 there's a, a polish a boxing federation a sort of sports federation and there's a, a couple of a couple of good young fighters who i uh, went over there and, and uh watched and uh, they've now come over here it's kind of similar to the uh the amateur boxing association's uh, sport england deal the lottery deal in in the uk where uh, they they find the standout uh, amateurs like I was and they fund they fund the, the the amateur boxer to then go to the Olympics and train full time and that's that's what they've done so they've earmarked two sort of very good young young fighters and they're here I'm giving them I'm sort of giving them some some tips and some uh, going, uh, going through some training uh, training drills and they're really enjoying it so I went over there to Poland uh, a few few months back and now they've come over here so it's all, a, all, all, all fun all fun stuff and uh, it's interesting seeing the new the new generation of uh, amateurs who could potentially one day turn professional. Interesting stuff. Um, I, I'm not sure when this interview is going to go out. Today's Friday, so I'm not going to speak to you about DeGale or Eubank, which is tomorrow night. We know it's a great fight, but I'm not going to ask you about that just in case this goes out on the Sunday, then it's not going to make any sense what you're saying, if that makes any sense. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, David, thank you very much for your time. It's quite a long one, wasn't it? You said you were going to do a two, three minute interview and here we are. How many minutes is that? Four minutes. Yeah. Okay. You know the way, David, you know the way it goes. I say to you, David, have you got a quick minute? 
and this is what happens. I know, so it's been okay. We haven't got a chance to speak that much recently, so got it all out in one go. Have you got anything else you'd like to add? Oh, boxing's in a great place at the moment. You know, fighters seem to be fighting the best opponents. You know, plenty of good, exciting shows coming up from both sides of the Atlantic, and, and boxing's as healthy as I can ever remember it. So it's just a, a very good time to be in in, in boxing, and uh, it's, it's flying the flag. You know, you've got some great. You've obviously the UFC and mixed martial arts tournaments are, uh, are growing, and I believe boxing is is growing also. So um, it's just a nice, nice time to be in boxing and to be a boxing fan because you're getting to see the fights. You're getting to see the fights on a regular basis. You know, and it's a it's a very healthy, healthy, healthy place to be. David, hey, thank you very much for your time and I'm sure, no doubt, we'll catch up with you in the near future. We look forward to hearing news of Derek's next opponent, whether it be Parker or not, but I'm sure, obviously, we'll catch up with you in the lead-up to his fight, hopefully on April the 20th. Definitely. See you soon. This is Coogan Cassius. Delighted to be joined from Team 100. Ella, how are you? Okay. Very good English. <laughs> Natalia, how are you? Uh, it's great, thank you. And Bartek, how are you? Very good. Okay, do you want to explain, first of all, Bartek, a little bit about what Team 100 are doing in David Hayes' gym today? The Polish National Foundation program, Team 100, is for young uh, people in Poland to help them evolve in the sport they uh, are currently um, training. So we're paying scholarships and help to uh, evolve to be become a professional sportsman. Um, how are you feeling about training with in David Hayes' gym today? Mm. Very, very good. Moim zdaniem to jest ogromny sukces i zaszczyt, że możemy trenować z tak znanym bokserem. It's great honor and privilege to train with such great uh, box master as David Hay. Can you tell us what the scholarship means to you? Mm, otwiera drogę do igrzysk olimpijskich, które odbędą się w 2020 roku. I myślę, że pomaga strasznie dużo. So, the scholarship opens the door to the Olympics. That's the easiest way to say what is the team 100 for the, for the girls. It's the help to train and to focus only on training, not the other stuff. Just final question. What do you think about the state of women's boxing at the moment? Is it in a good place, you believe? bardzo dobrze się rozwija. W sumie jest już na takim trochę wyższym poziomie, patrząc na inne kraje. Indie na przykład. Już cały czas idzie poprzeczka do góry z ich strony. Więc myślę, że jakby to by było bardziej oglądalne, to by byśmy mieli więcej takich sponsorów i w ogóle. I understood all of that. You don't have to translate that. So the, the women boxing is like constantly evolving, but the other countries like India are constantly main, making the competition more hard to for everyone. But it's it's better for 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 world of the boxing of women. Okay, um, I'm ready to spar both of you now. She looks like she meant that. Um, team 100, Ella, Natalia, Bartek, thank you very much for your time. We're going to let you get on with your training and wish you the best of luck in your time here in the UK. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.